Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. Hey everybody, David here and welcome to the ASOC Podcast. We have another fun conversation for you as Lucas and I sit down with John Firm, the owner of Firm Automotive and Diesel in Fort Worth, Texas, as well as the co-host of the J&J Show on Facebook. We recorded this live at ASTE 2022, and we talk about whether or not associations are helping the industry or whether they've become completely useless. Before we get started, make sure you have a set to automatically download the latest episode and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. It would really help us out. Make sure you check out our new content on YouTube and here we go. This is yeah. the good mic I heard you say. It is yeah. the good mic. I yeah. remember a conversation about a hundred dollar mic. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I listen, I like the hundred dollar mics too. That's what I understand. I like a hundred dollar mic. I've got there's there's backup mics in the case. Mm-hmm. And you can take a backup mic, the uh fifty eights that are in there, mm-hmm. yeah. and you can make one modification to it and it sounds just like an SM seven B. Just like um, one, yeah. just like. No, Can no, no. you hear? Is the question when I'm listening to it on the on the radio? Prob- probably not. <laughs> but that's the biggest problem I've got when I'm listening to you guys. I, I can hear you, Dave, because you got a big, positive, loud voice like me. Yeah. Then you're so smooth and sexy. Oh, I you're know, smooth and silence, sexy. You know that whisper. You know, that's right. Well, you know, I got to keep it toned down. I don't need to override him. You know, I'm, there's enough overriding going around on here. Did you just get more hick? Yes. Yeah, I did. Why? Because <laughs> I looked at you. It's about as bad as it gets. See, it just like went down. You can dial it up and down. Yeah, of course. Really? Yeah. Is that a thing? It'll yes. fit the atmosphere. You know, when you're studying what different levels people are and what kind of people yeah. they are, you kind of just slide in and fit in. That's right. That's right. <laughs> he ain't ever fit into nothing. I, don't, I, can't, I can't all of a sudden turn on the... The asshole. The yeah. <laughs> You're just an asshole all the time. It's turned on all the time. It's yeah, not the accent. Like, <laughs> you know, I can't. I can't shift it. You don't have an accent. Did he say shift? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have Man. an accent. I have an accent. People tell me all the time I have an accent. I They're like, know. where are you from? <laughs> you sound funny, boy. You sound funny. <laughs> <laughs> Have y'all met in person? 
yesterday. Yeah. The first time I met you yesterday. Yeah. So, um, you're in for a real treat. Why's that? Because I can convince him to bust your balls and I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> bust my balls. What's well, on the table? Anything <laughs> <laughs> <that> you want. <laughs> Look, we even got him his fidget toys, so he's I in good shape. I was wondering shape. about these, you know. Yeah. So in case you get nervous. <laughs> Yeah, well, it, look, it's it's to keep him from lying. And and you'll see him. If you watch really close, all of a sudden you'll look up and he'll be just staring off into space, looking off into a never-never yeah. land. He's trying to focus, probably. <laughs> right? No, I'm focusing on something else. <laughs> <laughs> the yucca. The yucca was good. The yucca. The yucca was good. You ever had, you ever had yucca? Have you ever had yucca? What is yucca? Maybe I have. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just a root vegetable. This you see it a lot good. in Hispanic food. Yeah. It's really good. Nah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, what, you can go right over here to what's the name of that place? Lucky Chicken. Lucky Chicken. I don't Get know you why soon. they would call it Lucky Chicken. It's Lucky Chicken, by the way, it's also Peruvian. It's a Peruvian restaurant. Oh, that's the know. one up there by the sports bar. Yeah. We haven't ate there yet, but we did go eat a waffle and a chicken yesterday. Was it good? What are you thinking about it? It was different. It was way, way different. I like the chicken. The chicken's cooked different, but the waffle with the chicken. Uh, you chicken waffles before? Never. Never. What never heard of such. Where, where are you in Texas? Fort Worth, Dallas market. You know, we eat beef. Yeah. Is beef what's for dinner. Yeah. It seems like everything I eat is beef, beef, beef. Every now and again, I'll venture to a chicken or a pig, you know, but it's mostly beef for me. <laughs> I, hey, listen, I tell you what, it was hot out there last week. It yeah. was very hot. Yes. I mean, yeah. it was so hot that, like, the stickers that they put on the the glass railing to market the show were, like, bubbling off. Yeah. And then, and then so nobody told and, – and so Chris Messer always sets up these events, and I don't think he, like, checks the local schedule of what's going on around. Not at all. Because, you know, the first one was furries, right? The first Ratchet Ranch I went to, they had furries there. Exactly. And the second one Were you was, at that one? No, I didn't attend either one of them. Yeah, but I know what he's talking about. And they're in my backyard. That's why I'm embarrassed about, you know. I travel halfway across the country to come to ASTE, and I want to go to Ratchet Ranch, which is... Ten miles from my shop, right? And I, hey, I was, I had planned on coming to see your shop. I got sick. Did you? I'm I so sick. sorry. No, it's all good. I got sick as a dog, and so like it, you know, it I, wasn't I, Corona. No, got <laughs> I got tested. I got, <laughs> tested. got tested. It wasn't that, and it was a nasty sinus infection. But oh, Lord. you'll get that quickly out there. That's yeah. just Texas. Yeah. Right. Um, so I guess the big question that we got to ask: Are associations dead? Associations are struggling. I don't care what association you have. Right. They're all struggling. Every association you come to is struggling. Why struggling for members, struggling for purpose, struggling. Why do you, and, and so, to put it. Yeah. And so maybe that's the answer, struggling for purpose. Exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. And and so what, you know, and, and I, I have said this before. I've noticed this in, in multiple different occasions. It really feels like we're all going different directions. Right. We've got ASTA out here. I'm on the board. You're ASA. We've got, you know, Mwaka, David's Mwaka. It feels like so much of, of the industry is going in different directions. Auto care is going one way. ASA is going one way. What What is our purpose? What, I wish auto care was sitting next to us right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that they do. No, but. I don't know they would, but 
I wish they were here, you know. <laughs> what? But I'm with you. You said something about this on a podcast earlier, okay, that I listened to. And I don't know if it was earlier last year's podcast. Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. Esther, earlier this month's podcast, I don't know, but I remember this same contact. I'm thinking, same thing. I'm thinking, why, why? Are the associations going in different directions? Yeah. What is the reason for that? We all are having in mind we should be working for the shop owners. Yeah. You know, and if it's the shop owners would include the technicians underneath them, okay? Right. But yes, we all should be at the table. We all, sh- you know, we ASA hires the legislator, okay? Right. And he works very hard for us, Robert mm-hmm. Redding, you know? Right. Why can't he do the same for everybody else? And why can't all of us put in and split his bill and go in the same direction that we're all trying to go? Why don't we all feed him direction? At the end of the day, it it does feel like we're, for the most part, all going in the same. We we want to go in the same direction, right? But it feels like there's division between the organizations. There is. You've been involved involved with ASA a long time, right? Yes, I have. How long have you been Mm -hmm. involved with ASA? 97. 97. Yeah. He didn't have his driver's license in 97. I know that. <laughs> I watched I his facial expression when I said it. <laughs> I, I was I was working on cars. I mean, I, I was taking them apart. My daddy was saying, son, if you don't start putting some shit back together, we ain't going to have nothing to drive. <laughs> I was thinking, well, we might need to change your diaper before you put that like that on. <laughs> I know, right? Well, so you've been involved for that long. You know, and I started out at the local level, local chapter level. Okay, right. and I served at the local chapter level for five or six years. Then I went to the state level, and I served on the state level for forever. It seems like, and I've been on the national level for the last three and a half, two years. Right. And so, what what's the takeaway from that? What when you say I've been here this long, what are you seeing as our purpose? What are you seeing? Because you know, whether it's ASA, whether it's it's Marco, whether it's ACA, whatever it is. At the end of the day, we're serving the same people. We're serving the same people. We're fighting for the same member. You know, all of us are scrambling, trying to get that same member to be a member of us. I'm a member of Milwaukee. I'm a member of ASA. 
ASC hadn't asked me yet, you know. So, right. I, but what can they do for me in Texas? You know, do we do we right. need to start something in Texas? That's what I'm asking there, right. you know. But I believe in associations, but the younger generation coming up don't see the value that we do. I, I think that they needed the ability back back in '97, right? It it was the only networking there was. Exactly, that was the and, start, and so now. Um, there's Facebook, there's LinkedIn, there's every forum you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And these people can gather and work together without an association. And so, you know, David and I were sitting talking at lunch and, and he said, you know, we're talking about an association and they're, they're, you know, we're going to work really hard to get you a good discount on your uniforms. We're going to work really hard to get this. I, I don't see people using this, these discounts. I mean, Napa offers the same discounts. Uh, you know, uh, ATD offers the same discounts. Everybody out here, TechNet, you can get those same discounts through them. And so it, it then comes down to, you said training, right? That was, the, at the end of the day, that's what you came up with. Because we were having this conversation. We are talking about what we're going to talk about. And he's, well, I mean, at the end of the day, all they have is training, right? That's what they bring to the table. Is that all we've got with associations? Uh, no, that's not all we got, but that is what we all should be offering, a discounted value training class. And I've done that in the Dallas-Fort Worth market for years. I brought name guys to the Dallas-Fort Worth market. I would pay for their tr- the trainer to come, and then I would divide that by 20, and I'd split that up, and I'd sell it at that price. Well, if you get one of the companies that provide training to come, they want to make a profit off of it. So now the price of your training just went up a couple hundred bucks. So being a local chapter, you can offer that to trainers to get them come do training for you and reduce the price of it. Just like we're doing here at this event, you know, we bring in a lot of trainers in here. And, and the amount of money you're being charged for training and getting lunch and getting to see the vendors. Yeah. Oh, you can't beat that. You can't you cannot hire that trainer to come in and I, do that class. I, I talked to somebody yesterday. They, they were they had some logistical issues and they were going through some stuff. And I was talking to him about this show. And he said, um. That's a lot of money to spend just to train somebody. And I thought, my gosh, if that's a lot of money to spend. That's what I was telling you. Is like, if you, even if you sent the, I sent the entire shop, but it was cheaper than one ticket to some of the other shows. Yeah. It's way expensive. This is cheap. Yeah. This is dirt cheap. I, I, you know, you had a conversation with somebody on one of the podcasts about shutting the shop down. And where did you see value in shutting the shop down? That was one of the days I was screaming at the radio, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you down here in front of you, and I want to tell you, if I shut my shop down for a half a week, okay, I'm probably going to lose $80,000 in business, okay? But when I return back with smarter techs, service writers that know how to take care of customers, I feel like I make twice that when I return. Now I might have to make it over a month, okay? But I get that revenue back. And every time I've taken my whole shop, everybody, to an event, whether it be the summit in Colorado, Vision in in Kansas City, I make my money back. I always do. I've never not increased the culture, increased the money. It's a big plus for me to do that. And I wanted to tell you that. Now, that was passion on my heart. 
Right. Well, and and I feel the same way, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I do too. Otherwise, my entire shop wouldn't be there. <laughs> exactly. I know. But I forget who you were talking to on that podcast. It was, um, Dwayne. Dwayne. Yeah. Yeah. yeah from Dwayne. from Family Alker. But mm-hmm. the, the problem was coming down to the dollars and cents. Right. Because once How you calculate, you? yeah. And and the very last uh, podcast I released was with Adam Liu and from New York, and the conversation went how do we calculate it down? He's like, I think you can, but it has to be specific training. So if I'm going to adopt hybrid Mm -hmm. and I send them to Isaac's class and some of the other classes, the hybrid specific training, and I'm able to then pull in X amount more hybrid cars where I didn't before. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Now I can say, well, this whatever five thousand dollars that I spent on this employee to to make the trip out here and the lost revenue and all that stuff in there, I extrapolate that out and I said I was able to get twenty five thousand dollars back in hybrid sales where I didn't get any hybrid sales before. I think you can calculate it down to that, but yeah, it's hard to quantify though the I, like the culture and the yeah yeah the that's not dollars that's and, real stuff yeah that's that passion that we connect to, and I calculated in how much more money per day was run through my business. You know, what did they do different? How did it help? Did it help my production? Did it help my front counter? That's what I look at. Right. Well, and, and you know, if we come back to culture, and, and David's conversation in the last episode was, can culture be faked, right? And and here's what's in it. Did you even listen to the episode? That was, <laughs> that was the title. <laughs> yes, I listened. We talked about credit card companies. You talked about credit card company. You listen. If, if there was not one point that I don't, I, I couldn't have interjected another point in that whole conversation. It was all over the place, and poor Brian's over here, like just fumbling, trying to like. Oh God, there goes David with another absolute. Lucas said not to let David talk in absolutes. I got to <laughs> shut him down. Oh, what do I say? <laughs> you know. Um, so, but but there was a lot of talk of could culture literally just be what we say it is can we make it up can we develop it or is it is it just a buzzword right and one of the things that i have thought about with this right when you go to a training event you can quickly determine if a team member's got the culture if the team member doesn't have the culture very quickly right and you really start to learn your team members you start to see your team members you start to they can't keep it up. No. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, if they're faking exactly it until you make it, yeah. you can't keep it up long enough at an event. Like, you start to show you true colors, right? Exactly. What do you mean? Huh? What do you mean? I'm just saying that if you've got a team member who uh, isn't really bought into the culture and they're they're smiling and nodding at the boss man and they're saying, yeah, absolutely, I'll buy into that. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You bring them to a training event like this where they've got to be on for – you know, two or three days, all of a sudden you can't fake it. No, you can't. You got to be real. I don't think you can keep. What are they being on about? I don't understand. My point is, is that when you, so, so for instance, in the past, I've had employees Mm -hmm. who didn't really buy into the concept of the training and the culture and all of the things. Now, when I asked them about it, they would say, yeah, oh Oh, yeah, yeah. I I have one that's doing that with me right now. Right. I want to be the best technician. Mm -hmm. I want to be this. I want to be that. But when it comes time to go to class, he's the one sitting on the back row with his head on the 
That's it. On his arm. Set, He's the one leaning back in the chair sleeping. He ain't paying attention. He's just going with the flow. Through the motions. And yeah. they, they get frustrated. They get frustrated. Mm-hmm. They get aggravated. Every little thing. They don't want to do this. And then you find out they're talking. And they're, you, you see, you, you it, it gives you an opportunity to see them in a raw form. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you can prepare yourself. Exactly. In a shop. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I got to be around the boss man eight hours a day. And for those eight hours a day, I can really refine myself and I can tell him what he wants to hear and I can look how he wants me to look and say, I stopped that bullshit. <laughs> Let me tell you how. Right? I put a stool up in the middle of the shop. Right? And I go out there when I'm frustrated and I'm tired of the office, the air conditioner's too cold or whatever, you know. And I go out there and I sit on that stool in the middle of the shop. So they have to walk past me. They have to do their job. And I don't say nothing to them. I just sit there. The other day I was watching a guy cut the grass across the street, but I'm sitting in the middle of the shop, you know. So I'm calming them down, getting used to me being around them. So now they're not being as fake accidentally. Right, right. (laughs) Well, and and it may have been you that said something about that in the past that – you know, just sitting and watching you shop. Sitting and watch. You have to sit and watch. If you're not sitting and watching, observing what's going on, you don't know what your production is. Right. Well, I mean, you, you can see a lot of things that you wouldn't otherwise expect to see. That one little mistake. And I, I think it was uh, I think it was Carm Show a while back where they talked about the racetrack in the shop. Mm-hmm. Right. Running that racetrack around the shop and your efficiency. I commented on him. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I, I think that that's something that sitting in the shop can do. But. I don't know, David. Can you fake culture? I think you can. And and culture's different everywhere. You know, I like David. I like his attitude. I like I like his needy personality. I like his go forth, you know. And yeah. I like that. And that's his culture. Yeah. Okay. You, on the other hand, sweet, innocent, country living boy, you, that's right. you know. That's right. <laughs> that's exactly. See, I like salt and pepper. You, you is, got a white a, shirt on. This is, this is the problem right here. See? <laughs> yeah. You, you faked it all the way all up to this way. point with this poor man here sitting here going, <laughs> sweet, innocent, country boy with this country ex. What are you? He knows me well. And then you have you me. I can see through the BS. <laughs> he, he he knows me well. He, you know, I, I have seen him drink a whole bunch of uh, of Fireball. Oh yes, yeah. The day he can, that he found out I was going to be a grandpa for the first time, sweet yeah. loving Jody, my daughter in law. <laughs> yeah. So and and uh, and I already had too much beer already, you know. And this this guy walks up this. Shot. It's not one shot. What is it? Like four shot and one? Yeah, there's a cup of liquor about that deep. (laughs) It was definitely an unhealthy experience for me, but I did it. And you got up the next morning and you went right into that training and you, I mean, you hit it just like nobody's business. You you got in there, what, you was there before anybody else, six o'clock, seven o'clock? You know, you're talking about culture. I set examples. I don't care how bad I feel, what I got to do. If I got to be there, I'm going to be there. I'm an example. People are looking at me. I'm a leader in our industry, I feel like. I have a right. lot of people come to me and talk to me and ask me questions. So if I'm going to live the part, I need to look the part. Right. Well, and, and that's a good point because we see a lot of uh, folks who don't do that. <laughs> Why are we looking at David? <laughs> I didn't say anything. I'm eating anything. <laughs> I just I hit record and talking to a microphone gibberish. There you go. <laughs> that is the truth. That is the most honest thing you've said all day. In about six years, I'll be president, <laughs> doing the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> this show is not a political show, David. 
I'm not trying to politicize anything. All I'm saying is you can talk gibberish and become president. Hey, we have one doing that right now, man. I don't know what you, know? you mean. And then we had one a couple years ago. He was from Texas. He was making up words. New ones. <laughs> yeah, new, new ones. Words. But if you're president, you ought to be able to make up any words Exactly. You, you know, he should fit the program. <laughs> I know. David, can you make up new words? <laughs> Listen, fool me once. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't going to fool me again. <laughs> You watch me. You're a gullible fellow. <laughs> is is that a, a issue of of our industry as a whole? Is it every industry that that it we've got some folks leading us in the wrong direction? Oh, that's a good question. We, we've Who's ta- leading us? Well, I mean, we talked about this. Uh, are you talking about associations leading? Or are you talking about? I'm asking who's leading. Exactly. Could, yeah. could be either or. But, you know, we talk about these coaching companies. And we talk about that they have a, uh, a way of doing things. David and I had an experience with, a, with some classes that uh-huh. we felt like the material wasn't okay. Right? It wasn't, it wasn't how I would want my industry to be perceived right it's not that they were teaching things that i wouldn't want done to my family yeah like if my wife yes. walked into that shop and they talked to her how these classes were teaching people to te- talk to their customers mm-hmm. i would have a problem with it like what are you telling my wife this for this is not okay what are you talking about what are they telling them to tell what because that's a Just number the- of things Exactly. It, well, you, you're coming across negative to me, okay? Yeah. So I'm not thinking they're telling your wife to go talk to somebody and bring sales up. But, but what are you talking if, about? If my wife walked in as a customer okay. into this shop and she she declined repairs, uh-huh. maybe she was like questioning whether to do the repair. Maybe mm-hmm. she was asking the service advisor questions and the service advisor responds in the fashion that this class was advocating for. I would have an issue with it. I would walk in there and you don't talk to customers this way. No. Don't tell my so wife you're to call a tow truck and then if you break down on the side of the road, this is a great tow service because obviously you don't care about your vehicle. Don't, what are you saying all this for? Pressure sales. Yeah. I'm yeah. not in player of pressure sales. No way. That's, well, I mean, it's not overly pressure. It's 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 rude. Just, uh, Disrespectful. I, uh, I think it's it's uh, I think it is rude. It, I think it, it's it was sleazy. It, it was sleazy. But sleazy is the best way to put it. It's, you know, and, and it's. It's get the sale at all cost, but they're not, they're not the only ones. I mean, there's lots of them out there, but my, his point is that these are extremely prominent shops and shop owners Uh that have tied them. Now I'm not saying that they are practicing that in their shops, but they have tied themselves to these companies, coaching companies, yeah, Yeah. coaching and consulting Mm -hmm. companies that are teaching this type of, um, approach. Yeah. And so now there's an association there that this is the industry, this is the direction that the industry is going. And I don't know, like, that's what, I, well, that's what I'm asking. Who's, if, if that's the. Well, the, but I mean, here, here's the, the thing. People and, leading the industry were. So we're here, here's what concerns me, right? Is because now you got an association, right? And that association says, well, hey, these people, look how popular they are. They're going to get us some some attention. Yep. We're going to bring them in because they're going to help people sign up for the association. It's not just but associations it, either. I got an email from uh, my local, my number one vendor, 
uh-huh. factory motor parts. That's yeah. who I buy most of my parts from. I spend a lot of money with them. Okay. And they send me this email. It's like, hey, this looks like it's right up your alley. It's a shop owner class. Great. Open it up. That guy has kicked me out of at least twice his Facebook group because I didn't answer the way he liked. <laughs> right. And, he don't and, like opinions, huh? And <laughs> I'm mouthy. It's not the point. But, you know, like, <laughs> he, he's, he is teaching. He's teaching a specific type of shop operation, which I find is ruining the industry. It's what got us to where we're at today, right? Like it, it is. It has caused the technician shortage that we have today. It has caused the reputation that the industry has today. All of that came from that type of operation. Is it successful? Absolutely. The guy's making bank. You're right. I think he's on location number two or three or something like that. Mm-hmm. The guy's killing it. But the way he operates his shop, I find absolutely detestable. However. Now he is now positioned in conjunction with some of these coaching companies and now being pushed forth by my my vendor. And I love my factory motor parts people. Like right. the people that work at my local factory motor parts, they are they take care of me. And I and I spend a lot of money with them. I, we have a very good relationship. But now he they're out there and they're they're attaching their names to this guy. And he's got to come in, you know, it it might be watered down stuff, but the idea is to eventually move you into the coaching program and the coaching program is going to teach you a certain thing. And, you know, at the end of the day, like they're going to suck up a bunch of talent if if anybody in the area adopts it. And there's a few shops that operate that way, but they're going to adopt that mentality. They'll suck up some of the talent. They'll burn them off. They'll get out of the industry. We'll end up in more shortages. We'll have you know, a shop that's doing $3 million a year, but had a 3.2 star rating on Google because right. they burned yep. through customers. You know, it's just the same thing over and over. Selling twenty nine ninety nine full synthetic oil changes. Just, it's the same like MO over okay. and over again. And unfortunately, like that's, when he says leadership in the industry, it's like, well, is that who's leading? They're us? the thought but leaders. You've been around for how long? Uh, I've been doing this 15 years now. Okay, so you're 15 year old. Okay, and you are Dave? 22 years now. 22. Okay, so I barely got 10 years on you, okay? 37. (laughs) Just barely. I have seen guys like this come, and we have seen companies that come, okay, that did this despicable thing that you're talking about, and I really was never real happy with them either. They go. They go away, but they leave us with a black eye, okay? All of us good shops, all of us good guys trying to do something. We can't control that. We can't do nothing with it other than talk it up and let other people aware of it. But the great thing we have is so many other good coaches, good programs, good associations that we can outnumber him and push him back. You know, we got to keep bringing that positive up to the surface. You know, every time we talk about him, we give him – the three and a half star rating. <laughs> well, but I mean, if three point two, three point two star. <laughs> if our if our associations are driven by the need for numbers, and they're driven by the need to get those people in they, the door, the, they don't know though. So these people are not like they mean well. Look, you look at Cherry. Cherry's. I think her parents owned a shop. I think is what it was. Yes, that's correct. Her, like she was raised and, up in our industry, right? And now, now she's out there trying to help shops. 
She's not trying. She's doing she it. No, 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 yeah, no, no. Definitely. But that, definitely. That's her. That's her motivation. Yes, She's like, it I is. I want to help as many shops as possible. Okay, that's great. But at the same time, I'm trying to. Sherry's like you know. Sherry's on a different level, but I'm saying like she's she's not in the shop every single day, okay? And the dynamics and the nuances of a shop operating like like the way I run my shop versus some of these operations that are pushing these cheaper oil changes and this that and the other like there's there's a difference there that I don't think you you quite can nail down unless you are running a shop, and even then. I think we talk to shop owners enough that they don't see a difference and they don't see anything wrong with, with one well, over the other. And, you know, I, I sit in a class, we, we, we sit and talk to these very sweet people mm-hmm. who, who get sucked up in this toting program, but they're nice people. And what do they tell us? Well, there's some things you take and some things you just you yeah. ignore. It's like, Okay, you're feeding into the machine. You're feeding right. into the monster, and, and you're you're putting your people through a training class mm-hmm. without being there to stand in the gap and say, "No, we don't do that. Yeah, That's not like our culture. Not what we do." But your the culture has to be, the culture has to be really strong. Yes, now, I can see like in working for you, like you have a, a personality, a persona. You have an Thank aura. Thank you. Right, I do, and. Uh, well, it, like you, <laughs> you're like Jupiter. You just everything gets sucked up in there, right? Right. And then you define it and you drive it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you would, you would not find a personality to hire that would be stronger than yours. Right. 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 I, I limit that. You're correct. No. 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 I think even if they tried, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be an employee. If they had, even if their 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 personality was as strong as yours, just being an employee knocks them down a peg. Okay, and then they come in and they they conform to you. That's my point. They yes, conform sir. to you. Lucas a shop, exact same way. He's he's a Jupiter. They all gravitate around him. Some people are not Jupiters. They're shop owners, right? But their personalities vary. They're soft spoken. They they go with the flow more. And what you end up seeing in a lot, their shops is a lot of times there's a there's a Jupiter in there and everybody's yeah, playing. And everybody yeah. kind of goes around there. Yeah. Uh, I was telling you that I was looking at a shop that was uh, you know considering uh, selling and, and whatever, and they had part of their their disclosure when they were kind of releasing their information and stuff. They they mentioned that they had an employee that had been there for like 25 years. And that everybody that came in assumed that, that person was the shop owner. There's your Jupiter. Yeah. That person drives the shop. That's that person sets the tone. That that's your culture. Right. That person, not the owner. Not that's the owner. That up, person. Yeah. Right. And not that you can't set. And that that's that's sort of what you end up having to decide is whether you have it's going to be you, or you set it up in a fashion where it's not dependent on you, but yep. the culture is ingrained. It's really difficult to do, by the way. And you ingrained it into the the organization without you. And my point is that if they go to those classes and you just you just send them, you're like, oh, I've heard about so and so, and just they, go on. yeah, go ahead and go to there. That it wouldn't be as big a deal in your shop because they would come back with all this 
You ain't gonna believe the stuff. shit they told yeah. me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. exactly. They would come it's back not our like program. that. Yeah, exactly. They would come back like that, and they would conform themselves back into you. Right. Where you go into a different, you go into a different shop with a uh, without with a shop owner that has less gravitas. Correct. And and they would not conform. They would. They would go off and do what they they were taught hey, to do. He sent me to school to learn this stuff. I learned this stuff, and right. here I'm bringing it back. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I'm gonna and, and I'm gonna put up some numbers, and I'm gonna kill it for you. And the shop owner's not gonna know any different, and they're gonna be and, like, and oh, who, they, they doubled their ARO. Right? Who are we sending to these classes? A lot of times, it's somebody young. It's somebody that's new. It's somebody that we're trying to bring up. And 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 I am guilty of this. And Rick's been on to me more than once that I don't train. Enough. I don't. I don't show them what I want them to do. I want to stick them in a training class and say, "You train them. You do it." Right. I want to pay for it. Right. And so the thing is, is that you take somebody young and you put them in this training class, and all of a sudden they're picking this up. Well, their moral and ethical compass may not be one hundred percent developed yet because they don't understand the gravity. And the worst thing about it, if you think about it, some of the people that me and you and you hire are not people from our industry to do our sales. We hire a person that's familiar with taking care of customers. Right. We don't want them fixing cars. Right. So now they just got hired. We just sent them to this class, and they, wow, they really want me to do this? Well, that's what they want to do. So, yeah, I'm with you, Dave, 100%. We got to watch who we're sending our people to. And and that's the thing is, like, you have, have like, a Sherry or or Trisha, and they're just – because they're not in – in the shop, which is not a, uh, I'm not they trying don't to disparage. The they may not know the difference, that small nuance that mm-hmm. they're like, they, they won't, they're just, they know industry, like prominent, uh, yeah, you know, well, I mean, guru, and they put them in, in the training class. Is that me? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. They, they put them in this training class and then they're like, everybody's talking about so-and-so online. Obviously, we need to get them in here. And they set well, something it, up it, and stuff like that. And they think they're helping. They are. But at, and they're trying. They're, they're swinging the they're, bat. They're swinging right. the bat. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it steers the direction of the industry as a whole. And it may not be the direction and, and you know, we I, should go. I, talk, I even talked to Trisha about those some of those classes. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I had to explain because it wasn't. It's not immediately clear if you just read it out of context until you put it in context. It's not immediately clear what what the hope of trying to accomplish that would be. Correct. Right. It, you don't you don't realize there's a victim involved and that we're we're using manipulative tactics to achieve a desired outcome. By the very fact that you had to say victim should tell you everything. <laughs> right. That should tell you everything. Yeah. It's not a everybody. But a lot wins. of people don't read between the lines. They don't hear every other word we say. Right. You know, so I'm glad you brought out that victim because you know, when you're listening to the podcast on the other end of the stick, you're driving down the road, they might have just missed that word. Right. Right. Yeah. And and you know, here's the thing is that you know, I I sat in some classes over the last week and, and it was, you know, you want to do an evaluation. And you want that thing to be done in 10 to 15 minutes. And then you want to, you want to, if they're waiting in the waiting room, you want to make sure that, that you go talk to them and you sell them that one thing. If you can just sell them one thing, because then you can get them to drop it off. Then you can talk to them about the other things after they leave. Right. Well, I, 
I believe in painting a whole picture first. Always. And talk to them about the condition of the vehicle and do what's best for them. I believe we're advocates. Our, Put it our out job the steps. is right. exactly our job is first as an advocate. Yeah. And then as salespeople at, at the very end of the process if need be. So we're gonna preach about DVIs now or Yeah, we can preach they? about DVIs. <laughs> well so you know, I've always thought like <laughs> I, I think about that whole thing, right? And you think that, well, because you hear you see this in the group all the time. People right. say, "Not my customer." Mm-hmm. Okay, well, whose customer are they? And so you think, well, somebody somewhere is going to be willing to take that that person that wants to be dealt with right now. I, I got a phone call from a lady who was who was calling me asking me for balance and rotate. Right, and I said. I don't. I hate doing balance and rotates. First off, I don't balance tires unless they need to be balanced. Correct. Other no sense of changing anything. They're yeah, working. Don't, don't make it. If it's working, it's fine. And we rotate. You know, maybe once a year or whatever. Uh-huh. And so, it's rare that we have to do it. But balance is like usually to fix a problem. And ninety nine percent of the time, they need tires. Correct. Like, what am I balancing? Car t- tires. It's thirty seconds. Like replace the tires. Anyway, so this lady calls me and she's like. Sorry, I got it's people. Not. I had to answer questions. Yeah, so all this her. went from here to your phone call, and we stopped. I love hey, it. Listen, you you got to be careful with him, man. You, anything <laughs> that distracts him. Well, I took my phone out of pocket and I laid it here face down. So you got to be careful that distracted. Exactly. It takes me away from what's going on. My passion is to listen to you two guys and be here with y'all, and you're on your damn phone. Hey, it's all his fault. <laughs> it's his fault. If he would answer his phone, I wouldn't have to answer my phone. Oh. So anyway, this lady calls up and she's like, she's like, I need to rotate and balance. Can you get me in? Yeah. And I said. Sure, I can get you in eventually. <laughs> eventually, <laughs> drop it off, leave it with me, and we'll take a look at the car. If it needs a balance, we'll otherwise we'll just we'll let you know. We do full evaluation. Got to do the, the test and inspection. Yeah, yeah. And and she's like, well, "How long is that all going to take?" I said, "Well, two two and a half hours or whatever." And she's like, "I got to leave it." I'm like, yeah. I said, "But if you need something quick down the street, there's a discount tire." Discount Tire will balance and rotate your tires for you. Yeah. And they don't charge very much. It's super. Mm-hmm. And they'll get you in right now. They'll let you just wait in the lobby and do it. And she's like, yeah, but they told me it's two to two and a half hours. Wait here in the lobby. I'm here right now. <laughs> Why are you calling me? Is, yeah, this is as good as you're going to get on a Friday afternoon, lady. Like, you're right. not going to get any better than this. You have literally hit the pinnacle here. So, yeah, is there somebody there for everybody? And I question that. And I go... Like, look at cell phones. Like, are there still flip phones available? Yeah, you can yeah, still buy still a flip there. phone yeah. available. But what does everybody conform themselves to? The touchscreen, iPhone. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and I'm thinking going, it, does, it doesn't have to be a not my customer. It has to be a change the consumer this mentality. This is what we do. Or not. Right? This, this is, is what, what everybody does. Yeah. This, I just assume that I can't just walk in and have them immediately take care of my vehicle. Well, but, but you know, that same class was saying they, they were telling a story of how that the, they were watching the shop. They own this shop. They're watching the shop. And and I'm, I'm not saying anything bad about the person teaching the class. Really like the person teaching the class. But the, they were talking about the fact that uh, they watched the advisor tell somebody, I can't get you right in. And they went out and gave a, a coupon and, and went back and, like, let the advisor know that was unacceptable. Well, the shop's full and, and we've got cars to work on. Well, I, I don't care. 
The, you tell them yes. If right? you if well, you have a program and it's developed in your shop, and this is what I call emergency parking. Okay, mm-hmm. I have two spots every day that I allow somebody to pull in. Let's do a tire rotation to them and get them back on the road. If it's a Friday and I've done did my two spots, I'm done. It's your Monday but, before you got but, the emergency. But I mean, they, they were advocating for anybody that walks in the door at any point in time. Tell them yes. I don't want to work on anybody and everybody's car. Right, and I don't either. Mm-hmm. But but the you know and and something I always think about when we're having these discussions is, has it been that long since you've been on the front counter? It's been has, that it been, long. has it been that long since you've been in the back working on these cars? Do you know what that feels like when when because they're not the one fixing the miss uh, step when it comes to expectations? They're not the one putting that client fire out. They're not the one taking that massive stress load. They're not the one working on the car who has to put up with the BS and say, you know what, I'm going to need you to stay a couple hours late tonight because we took on too many cars and, and everybody's expecting them done. You know, I'm really sorry about it, but I need you to stay. If you want your job tomorrow, you better you better go ahead and stay. Right? They're not the ones paying the price for it. They're getting the freaking paycheck. But they're not the ones paying the price. Exactly. And so when they make that recommendation and they say, hey, you take all those cars in, you got to realize that they're disconnected from the shop. They don't pay the same price the rest of us pay. And so, you know, when when I, I was listening to Doug Grill speak, right, and, and he was on the podcast, and Doug has multiple shops, very, right. very successful. And I'm listening to him speak, and I thought, wow, that's a breath of fresh air. Compared to what I'm used to hearing from these multi-store operators, because Doug was talking about that. Hey, I, I I don't want to be to the point that if somebody says, "Hey, you need to you need to get them in right now," that my team feels like I would have that expectation. What do you guys think, right? What do you, do you guys think it would be okay to take that car in? Well, no, boss man, we're covered up. We're it, it's going to eat us alive. It's going to throw the whole schedule out of the way. Okay, I understand. That's what me, little Timmy would tell you. Exactly, technician <laughs> Timmy, right? And so, you know, it was such a, a breath of fresh air that that a multi store operator would be that ingrained or that close enough mm-hmm. that he would say. No, I, I need to understand how my team would feel about that. Exactly. Person. You have to I know need, what your team's doing. Right. I need to understand. I don't, I don't have a problem with taking the car. I don't, uh, yeah. You uh, you want to bring it down here? I will. Happy. You can bring it down here. Bring so, it in. So you're going to tell them you're going to do your old. Uh, hey, no, listen. No, 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 30 no, minutes. I'll have your old change I done. Just have, wait for it. Well, that's the difference. Four o'clock I'm in the afternoon. Drop it off. We'll do our best to get it squeezed in today. Most likely be tomorrow. In the morning, we'll do our evaluation. We'll contact you with the car's needs, and then we'll have a discussion about it. That's what you tell them. Simple. Do I do I say yes to the car? Yes, I say yes to the car. Go ahead and I bring it have down. A, I don't as have a problem. As long as it's ninety nine and newer. <laughs> <laughs> I just moved to two thousand. <laughs> David, yeah. David just moved to no Fords. Uh, <laughs> why is it always Fords? You know, last year. We had an F-250 with a timing problem. We had just put chains on, and it kept throwing camshaft codes. And it was this time this year. I think it's A-S-T-E. I think it, it might, curses me with Fords. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's I, A-S-T-E time coming up here. We need to put a, a uh, blackout on all Fords like a month before A-S-T-E, just in case. Just month, in month case. and a half. No Fords. No Fords. No Fords. Because they're going to be stuck in our shop for the next 45 days as we figure out what the hell's wrong with this piece of crap. It's always Fords. You Ford guy? 
You know, yes, I am. Oh, no. I love him. I make I like so Dylan. much money like off of Ford. It's unreal, <laughs> baby. He, listen, listen. He did make so much money off I'd of Ford. I make money on all of them and lose it on one. <laughs> <laughs> when Everything Ford, he made, spend it all. Yeah. I love them Fords, man. Which just There's so many bucket trucks, okay, that are made on the Ford the Ford platform. Yeah. Right. So I, I just have to be passionate about my Fords. You know, I, I drive a Dodge. I own a, a Chevy Suburban, and, and I have one Ford pickup truck. <laughs> I, I, does, does it run, or is it just one of those that you can, you know, use to train on? It, it's a Ford 6, so it runs. It runs uh, really good till you turn it off. That's right. And then, <laughs> it may listen, not start back up. That, that is one thing you learn driving a 6 that yeah. You do not shut that son of a bitch off in the drive-thru, no matter what that lady asks you. Get Back home. That's right. Unless it's really cold out, then you might be okay. Yeah, yeah. If it's cold, and you ain't been on the highway. What in the hell? <laughs> that, well, so I, you know, I had a client one time. He said, "You know," he said, "I fixed that." I said, "What are you talking about?" He said, "I fixed that problem." He said, "You know how you fix that, right?" I said, "No." He said, "Swear to God." He said, "I keep me a sixteen millimeter socket and four gallons on a drain pan." I said, "Do what?" <laughs> he said, "If it's a hot," he said, "It won't start." But he said, "You put four gallons of fresh on that bad boy." He said, "It'll It'll fire up up on it." Pull it I, said, down. So, I said, so, you know, that's your fix for a high pressure leak? He said, no. He said, it's just my emergency backup in case I get one in a drive through I said, you're going to change oil in a drive through He said, if I have to. It looks like I do all the time anyway. Four <laughs> right. new ones in there. Be all right. A little pile of crap. <laughs> they can <laughs> be. <laughs> you know, you don't hear these stories about Toyotas and Hondas. You know, that? Toyotas don't break. Toyotas don't break. Some, you know, and I don't think Hondas is as popular as it used to be. No, Toyotas that's because they don't sell them. any cars. Yeah. Toyotas don't break. Yeah, Toyotas break. Toyotas no. have their weird. Toyotas problems. a maintenance wonder. I just love doing maintenance on Toyotas. Yeah, there's just so much there, and they pay so well. I just love it. <laughs> I love it. I mean, they all leak strut. The struts, they all leak. Like, Car- listen, David. I know that you take advantage of your clients by telling them they need suspension components such as struts, but I don't do that. I, I I'm still driving one four hundred thousand miles on it. And I, you, original struts. Yeah, original? you didn't bounce out when we came through the parking lot, did you? <laughs> you know, is there really original struts in that? No, thing? God, no. <laughs> crazy. It's my car. I'm not doing that. I was going to show you the patch on my arm. <laughs> I don't want to be looking like I'm in a boat going to. That, yeah, but they come in with 100,000 miles and they're like. <laughs> what a high profit item, man. What a way to make some money. Yeah. You know, open it up. You got the struts. You got the brakes. You got the sway bar links. So just yeah. everything just starts chinging away on you, man. <laughs> ching, baby. I love it. Well, you know, you, you something that, that I want to point out about this is yeah. that you don't act like. When we talk about this, you don't act like making money is a bad thing. Making money is not a bad thing. That's why I'm in business. Well, but I mean, you know, just yesterday, right? The post in ASOC, y'all saw that, right? Yeah. That, that somebody said, hey, you know, this dealership was going to charge them all this money. Don't worry. We discounted it to where, you know, we <laughs> yeah. took, took $3,000 off. They were going to charge. Which they did have to. They did have. Yeah. The dealership was going to charge them 8000 They did it for four, and they were proud of that. Yeah. Yeah, that should. Why you would st- you be proud of that? That you should have stopped and go. <laughs> they only charging eight thousand dollars for them in that four. Like, yeah, oh, I'm missing four thousand dollars somewhere. Right, and and you know that is an expensive mistake because sometimes you do that and you write that bad ticket up and you look at, oh man, I can do that way cheaper. 
If you're that much cheaper, but they, you're getting ready to screw yourself. Well, I'm just saying they had, they, had a, they had a line by line itemized estimate. Right. And they, that should have stopped them and go, yeah, apples to apples. I'm, I'm $4,000 cheaper. Mm-hmm. And I'm working on the same car. Now, maybe they stopped and went, I haven't sent my guys to training. They're not here at ASTE. No. I've never sent my guys to training. I pay my guys hourly $12.50 an hour. <laughs> my only scan tool is a Snap-on Triton. No, it, they bought it from Northern Tool. That's it. That's it. They bought it from Northern Tool. <laughs> they didn't Tool. get it from no quality guy. <laughs> or the pawn shop had it. Yeah, there you hey, go. You get some good tools at the pawn shop. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Yeah. So if Five that, years if, out of date. No, update that. That's right. And, and listen, I'm going to give you all a piece of advice. You never, ever, ever want to take the scan tool you bought at the pawn shop and ask Snap on to update it. <laughs> you ain't going to have a There's money old against that, boy. <laughs> never take the Snap on. Maybe they, they looked at themselves and they said, you know, I'm not offering them apples to apples. Now I can see a little bit off. Right. I can, like I tell a customer, I tell my customers 10%. I'm, I'm usually 10% cheaper than the dealership. And the reason being, I don't have warm cookies. I don't have a giant facility. I don't have 800 employees. I'm not washing your flipping car. Right. I'm not doing any of those things. You wash cars, but I don't. I don't either. Yeah. It's so, What's the difference that ten, that so you can save yourself ten percent here? I have better technicians. I have better training. I have better equipment. Any independent shop has better technicians yeah. than a dealership. Yeah, dealership guys they only know one vehicle, and you they take, barely know it. They barely, you know, and they, they got to go yeah. through some. Uh, I call them pumpkin roller training event to be certified on that car. You know, right? That's a whole other subject I like to talk about too someday. Yeah. Hey, but, you just keep on trucking, big boy. We got plenty of time. <laughs> yeah, we got plenty of time. But you know, when you got our guys, my guy is out here in three different training classes dealing with multiple different kind of platforms of vehicles, everything from EV to the BMW. The oh, I learned a new one yesterday. The five wire ignition coils that are going on right now, mm-hmm. they have. Uh, their technology behind them is FM, F Magic. <laughs> <laughs> the God's guru told my technician that they, they ask how how do they make these coals work, and the guy said it's just FM, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like too that. crazy. Yeah, it is. Five wires. F and Magic. <laughs> what are they having that fifth wire for? <laughs> I guess it's for your imagination. I mean, surely it, it's some sort of feedback loop, right? Wouldn't you? It's got to be. Keep. I, I imagine you. Know, the, the Toyota had the had feedback back to the to the module. It uh, knew if it was firing, and the only thing that the PCM did was set the trigger. That's right. it. And the timing and the firing was all built into the coil. Yep. Fantastic technology. Absolutely. We'll wild. have to go out and ask the garage gurus what the magic's about. Uh, hey, you, you know, don't think for a second. Wire. I won't ask. <laughs> I've got a technician who'll tear one of those suckers apart and disassemble melt the goo out of there and pull that circuit board apart. And he goes, yeah, look at this extra trace. What's it do? Oh, I'll figure it out. Uh, it doesn't go anywhere or do anything. Uh, it's just to make sure you buy the newest coal pack. Exactly. <laughs> Can't reuse that other coal pack that was for that other engine. You have to get the new one. They'll squeeze out one more MPG out of that with the one more wire on the coil. You think one more, just one more, just to get one more MPG. Yeah. 
And so how you think about that, how many cars, right? Like you say a hundred thousand cars in that one line and then you end up putting that one little piece of wire in there. And that one little piece of wire costs a dollar. Right. Exactly. Let's do round figure. We had a, we had a lady call, um, on, I don't remember when, and she, Monday, maybe she was at the dealership with the terrain and the terrain had, uh, was low on oil, no, no oil on the dipstick. Surprise, surprise. And she had timing codes and the, and she had just had the oil change. I think she was in it for like 1500 miles. She had done the oil change. Um, and the dealer told her, uh, it's going to need an engine because it's burning through the, the piston rings. And I said, did they explain low tension piston rings to you? Did they explain that oil consumption is part of the design of the engine? Right. Mm-hmm. Did they explain to you that you should have shortened up your oil changes? So of course they didn't. Every, and she's like, they didn't tell me any of this. Except I, I need to spend $10,000. Right. Well, she wanted me to price it out. So she sent me an itemized estimate. We had a whole discussion. I said, I'll look at it and see what they're, they had it handwritten. This is a dealership. Now. Yeah. Big handwritten. Big handwritten dealership. Dealership. We've seen a lot of that. Like, yeah. Handwritten on the invoice. New yeah. engine recommended. And then like they had the part numbers written on the invoice. And then the bottom, it was like, I don't know, $9,797, something like that. And so I went on, I went to Jasper, I called them up and I said, how much? And, and they gave me a price and they gave me availability. And I looked it all up there and I was at like, I mean, I was, I was there, I was within 10%. Right. Um, and I said, look, I'm going to send this to you. I'm within 10%. I said, but they should just change the oil and then see if, what the timing situation looks like after they change the oil. I said, you need to see how fast you're going through oil. I understand you say it was 1,500 miles, but 1,500 miles sitting at stop-and-go traffic, right. sitting and letting the car idle is going to burn through a lot of oil. I said, and you need to tighten up your oil change intervals. I said, we've fixed a lot of cars with an oil change that had timing right. codes. So Have you to tried see. the BG service on that? Me and BG don't get along. You know, okay. you know what I'm waiting on? Uh, what? Justin um, has that ATS carbon clean stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they are making, he, he promised me two bottles. I haven't seen it yet, Justin. I haven't seen my two bottles yet. But um, they're supposed to be releasing a whole mess, a whole batch of it out. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, off the record, he told me this thing, this stuff works. Right. Extremely well. So you got a prime some, customer to find this uh, out on. Well, I, I told her, I said, look, we can do some stuff with, mm-hmm. with additives. I said, if it, the additives available and, you know, we get the right situation where I can see it working or being a benefit to you, we can mi- maybe do additives. I said, they're jumping to amputation. And I'm like, let's try a bandage and some antibiotics first. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. You know, if basic simple, I would put a can of that seafoam in that. And let her roll. I've yeah, been using seafoam for a hundred years. I'm a real big believer in I that product. I love seafoam. I do. I, I've, but some of these newer cars, with like really teeny tiny passages, especially if the car's been neglected. Yeah. And she was. She's been going to like five percent oil life left before she's changing the oil. Right. That's what she admitted to me. And I and said, she's got carbon buildup is what she has. She's an excessive amount of carbon buildup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But seafoam is not a solvent. It's a detergent. So it will melt it. 
Man, he is a seafoam guy. Yeah. Dude, I've been using seafoam since the Mayflower came over. You know, guys? I know seafoam. I know the product very well. When the salesman comes in and talks to me about that, you don't know what you're talking about. Let me tell you about what I yeah, know about it. You know? says, this is real-world so, yeah. world crap. I can take a diesel engine that is excessive smoke because the tip of the injector is a little bit carbon up and it's not atomizing the fuel properly, put a can of seafoam in it, drive it for 50 miles, Dude, it, it's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's oh, changed. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of seafoam. We've cleaned a lot of the back of the intake valves with oh, yeah. seafoam as yeah. a way to, and yeah. then a little bit of agitation that seems to work. So, but this stuff that, that Justin is, is selling, this ATS carbon clean stuff, is supposed to be like crazy good. Berryman's came out with a chemical. And you know, Berryman's yeah. in Arlington. Oh, yeah. Y'all right there by yeah. Berryman's the other day. They came out with a product to answer seafoam's call. Really? And, and I've been using it for the last three months. It's half the price of seafoam. Really? And I so cannot tell the cheap. difference. I'll be darned. Really? Yes. So it's five bucks instead of nine? <laughs> yes. Wow. And yes. Merriman's make some good products. Oh, I've awesome been really products. happy with a lot yeah, of their stuff. And they're from my home county. <laughs> right? I'm going to give them that money back. <laughs> But the chemicals made in China and shipped over. No, it's not. <laughs> Don't make me think that. I need anybody from Texas. <laughs> I'm gonna go look it up. Yeah, I, everything's made in China. Yeah. All right, J- Japan. So a friend of mine's a buyer for a large, large corporation, mm-hmm. and uh, they build fuel injectors. Right. And in this country, uh, Korea was building these tops for these injectors electronics and they gave yeah. them a hell of a deal on it and they put them in their injectors and it had to pull them all back off the market because uh. they sucked <laughs> and several people got a bit of taste of that so 60 fuel injectors if you're having a failure on the top of that injector dude the electrical uh, it came from korea it's a piece of shit from the beginning <laughs> uh, well i mean you know I, too good to be true it's too good to be true right well i mean it, it's like um uh, there was a whole discussion brian pollock and i had one the other day where a fellow was talking about i just put six new injectors and a 5.9 liter comes and it won't start i said yeah you should check return flow no, it's got new injectors in it. Why would I do that? Yeah. Well, because they're bad. Because you need return flow. <laughs> right. Well, well, why? Well, because you put you put cheap injectors in it. Unless you bought Bosch Remans, they're junk. They're I mean, junk. you just yeah, throw man. them away. You don't need to do anything else. I don't understand why we're talking about this. Mm-hmm. And and so seriously, like every single one of them that you would get a reman injector, it was junk. You could not use them. Yeah. And you there's only one place to get them. And and I tell people that all the time, and they will not buy it. But I'll tell you one way that you will fix somebody from doing that. You let them put a set of LB7 injectors in one time and get a bad oh, batch of them bad boys. That'll break that dog and, and suck the eggs. That will never happen again. I promise. <laughs> that will never happen again. Boys, that's a bad feeling. Yes, that's it is. a big job. Yes, it is. That and and yeah. everything breaks and every bolt rounds out. And by the time you get it back together, I mean you just spent a hundred dollars in silicone glue that top valve cover back on it. <laughs> and then you gotta like tear it off and tears in your eyes as you scrape the silicone back out. That is a terrible job. Whoever designed that was stupid. I don't know if he's so stupid or he's really highly too intelligent. <laughs> I mean, like, he thought that thing was never going to break. Right? Like, you look at that sucker. I mean, you ever worked on one? Duramaxes are a nightmare, dude. They're just, they're so high tech. It's, it, just do the turbo on one. It's a nightmare. Yeah. I, okay. I, 
I talked to an engineer one time, and he said, in the most proud way you could ever imagine, it was the, the is it the LGH? It's one right after the LMM uh, or LML, and he said, we have really engineered this thing to the next level. And I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, there are 2,500 fasteners on the top of that motor before you get to the cylinder heads. And I said, do what? He said, there's over 2,500 different different fasteners for each connection, everything on it. It's very well engineered. I'm like, define well. (laughs) (laughs) And dude, you go to take one of them things apart, you better have you like a big old set of bolt bins because, I mean, there's a lot. You ever taken one apart? And what it does to your parts and labor ratio is unreal. Yeah, it's terrible. I was in the class yesterday morning, and the guy was saying, you got to have your parts and labor ratio right there together. And I'm thinking, somebody don't work on diesels. That's right. That's exactly right. (laughs) Well, there's a $5,000 part. Exactly. (laughs) It's that big. I know. Shit. (laughs) You need you some diesel experience. I don't need any diesel experience. I'm good. What, you it said sounds you, like German cars. It, oh, does. it sounds like, just like working on a German car. Exactly. Like, like, I think oh, it, every single one of these bolts have to be replaced. There's like 16 different bolts. The O-rings. The O-rings are a nightmare. Same. So I need to get to that, but I got to take all these pipes off, and every single one of them has a new O-ring. It's exactly you, the same thing, David. You know, here's the thing, though, is the 5.9 liter and the 6.7 liter Cummins mm-hmm. just work, right? There's no BS. There's no nonsense. There's no... They just do They're what they simple do. to work on. Yeah. Everybody you, can work on it. Yeah. You know? You give me an old 12-valve, man. I, I had a the guy who owns uh, Ruba Trucks now, a really good friend of mine. Years ago, he's going to kill me for telling this story. Years ago, he called me, and it's like 1130, 12 o'clock at night, and he calls me. He says, hey, I uh, uh, my truck's at your shop. And I'm like, okay. He's like, I need you to uh, pump out the fuel tank. And I said, you need me to pump out the fuel tank? He's like, yeah. Why do you need me to pump out the fuel tank? He said, well, he said, um, I, uh, I've been drinking. And I said, okay. And he said, I ran out of fuel and I shouldn't be driving. And I'm like, okay. okay. He said, uh, it's got a 24-pack of Coors Light in the fuel tank. But it got me to your shop. <laughs> I said, it ran? He said, it did. It ran. He said, it I drove it all the way over there. It's got enough alcohol content. It'll keep moving. <laughs> I thought you, Coors Light was water, but I mean, you know. So when you got a gallon of fuel sitting in the bottom that you can't right. suck up, you just need to raise that, that up fuel a little, little bit. bit. <laughs> and it, it worked. He got there. I put gasoline in something like that just to get into town to get fuel. <laughs> hey, I, I have had a. I've had those trucks come in. They had a. You remember the killer dial pin on the old twelve valve? Yes, I love that. That oh, was yeah. such a great thing. It was. I'm and, sad to see that go away. So it, the the timing case when it was made, it had a dial pin in it, right? And the deal was is that the back of the, the case was supposed to be made to where the dowel pin couldn't come out, and they didn't manufacture it right. So it was just an open hole. But nobody called it until after it was put together. Well, the truck shakes for all these years, and that dowel pin would walk out. And when it walked out, it fell down between the cam and the injection pump gear. So when it did that, it just broke the whole aluminum case 
into where it mounted the injection pump to the side of the block. I have had those trucks come in with the injection pump flopping on the side of the <laughs> block. <laughs> Puking everywhere. Yeah, I know, right? Like literally oil pouring out the bottom of it. And the injection pump's not even like barely attached to the truck. And they're running. And it yes. runs. Dude, you, you would, I mean, you would have to do something to kill one of those trucks. I mean, I had them come in completely dead cylinders, pistons literally melted out of them. Had a video with a hole in the block and the guy drove it in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. I can believe The crank is still slapping around in there, you know, the rod. And he just broke it in. Wow, really? That's a new yeah, one. Dude. It's they, a little loud, was his complaint. <laughs> They will run to no avail, man. You cannot kill them. And, and I, it was weird because I used to have shops say, oh, yeah, that one's done. That one's blown up. Like, no, nah, man, it's not. Yeah. I promise. If, if you're telling me that's why it won't start, you're wrong. I promise you that is not why it won't start. You can forget it. There you go. So everybody should go back to... You damn right. Cummins, you, you get, hey, listen. If when, they would meet the emission standards that we have, I'd agree with you. Okay. Uh, but they won't meet the mission standards. You could do everything to them that we can do with the 6-7 and, and almost make it as bad as the 6-7. Yep. Almost. I mean, right there with it. But it's not going to meet the mission standard. But if you keep doing what they're doing to the 6-7s, you might as well bring that 12 valve back because it's a whole yeah. lot cheaper to fix and a whole yep. lot cheaper to keep going. When, when do we eventually cross the threshold of that, that we get so caught up with emission standards and all the fluff of the vehicle that it becomes just unreasonable, right? In other words, that that old 12 valve, right? Yeah. You you can buy one of those trucks, or at the time you could buy one of those trucks for, what, $15,000 brand new. Oh, yeah. Back $15,000, $20,000, right. Right. And, and man, Depending it was, on how many bells and whistles you added to it. Right. But, I mean, it was a reliable, good quality truck. The fuel economy. It didn't was, need an oil change. Right. Wasn't that amazing? I, I just know. Drive hundred thousand miles. Oh, I probably need to check the oil on it. Right. <laughs> and and but but the thing was is are, are we getting? It was reliable. It was cheap. It was something you could maintain. D- does the? <laughs> it does, wasn't making money. Maybe that's maybe that <laughs> it wasn't making money. Are we getting Everything. to the point though that that is the problem? Is that we're it is so the problem? It is everything that we live with, that we grew up with. That was the, the three hundred Ford, right? Six banger. But was that sucker Ford. was reliable? Look at David. Look at me. The Ford. I said Ford. You don't remember that in the F one fifties, boys. That, that was a good I mean, motor. That motor Why would you, just you go. High. For, that thing was a turd. No power, all terrible gas mileage. But you never worked on it. Yeah. Yeah. oil, so much oil. It was easily fixed. We put stop leak in it. It sealed it. Boys, I remember that stuff that you... I remember that the hunt, stupid that, ignition module would they, blow up, then they ended up. No, moving you're the thinking ignition. the Chevrolet, not the no, Ford. No, 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 no. <laughs> that stupid, the, the the long thin one with the with the blue connector on it. On it. Yeah, <laughs> and then they eventually moved it to the fender well, and they yeah, put it's a cooler giant over there. Sink on it. Yeah, they, it was cooler over there. They would blow up all the time. And you 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 would take that jar of honey, right? Yeah. In plastic containers. You had to cut the top off the whole bottle. Uh, real thick and heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Pour it in. That dick went away. Motor honey. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you go back to it, and, and everything we did back then, we, I felt like it lasted longer. We had less problems. We didn't have all the blowed head gaskets on yeah. it that we always think. You know, but we had to move along with technology. We did. Know? We did. And we got to get 
EPA says we have to get the emissions down. We got to save America. We got to save the world by reducing the emissions. Well, we're just we're not even reducing it. We're just moving it somewhere else. That's all we're doing. The the fans that we got up there in Amarillo around Amarillo shoving the pollution away, you know. (laughs) (laughs) We're moving it down to Mexico with the wind blowing one direction. (laughs) It's our problem now. Sorry. Move it out of the country. (laughs) (laughs) We put all them fans up over by California, shove it out over the ocean. (laughs) What's what's old boy's name that used to be part of Mwaka that moved to Mexico? (laughs) Says, man, it sure is hazy. Ron. <laughs> Ron Hogan, yeah. Boys, it's hazy out this morning. <laughs> yeah, you know, you have know. to wonder if there was this ever be a way to to bring some of those old engines back. You look at like the Ford, the old Ford Crown Vic. Yeah, now that I liked. I appreciated yeah, yeah. the old frame because that thing was a giant frame. The body was slapped on top of it. The suspension, like this, you didn't you do any suspension that, work to, yeah. the, to the old, you know, that old body. There was right. no suspension work to it. A solid axle. They ended up putting a Watts linkage back later in the later years. I, I engine re- was easily and accessible. everybody stole the rear end out from it, put it on yeah. a race car because it's so dependable. Yeah. Well, you know, it, I remember years ago when the one Focus, of those with a little twelve valve diesel in the front there. Boy, you go, could go listen, go forever. You're talking about a zombie machine right there. That would be a zombie machine. You know, Chop it up, boys. Build it up. <laughs> when when the uh, when the Ford Focus came out, I remember one of the technicians at work for Ford saying, "Man, that is the big lighter of cars." Like that, it's meant to throw away. It's not meant to be something you keep. It's junk. It's just, you know, it's nothing. It was right. And then, you know, later on, I I remember taking a Jasper tour, and they were showing us some of the new Ford engines. Literally, the block is a piece of metal this big, and everything else is plastic. Mm -hmm. Oh, we got to reduce weight. we got to reduce this. we got to reduce pollution. we got to... Right? And and do the ends justify the means, right? Are we... Are we... Going to find ourselves in a situation where we have made some really terrible decisions and end up with a big pile of shit at the end of the day. The well, priority there, dear. Since we're yeah, we're there. We're I. So somebody did a study on EV cars, right? And the amount of pollution it takes to build an EV car, and over the lifespan of an EV car, how does it go away versus a combustible engine car, and how it produces and what it does at the beginning, where it goes. They actually cross paths at one time in their life, you know. So the EV car, it it's a real cool study if you really want to get down to it. I know that's the technology we're going to go to, and everybody's made their laws and regulations. But my personal opinion, I probably will have to own an EV car sometime in my life, but I'm not going to like it. Right. You know, right. I, I oh, live they're in, pretty fun to drive. They are fun to drive. You know, I'm sure of that, you know. Uh, but I drive trucks, Okay. And when I drive trucks, I, I pull a boat, okay? And, and my boat's heavy. And when I do, go, go somewhere and it catches a lot of air. Well, uh, Isaac was talking about that e-torque 48 volt. It's, it's a bolt on. They slap it on there and uh-huh. you get that that punch of torque right off the, uh, the throttle tip in. Right. But then the engine kicks in. But all of that, the, the fuel that you would normally use. Right. And that, those emissions you would normally put out mm-hmm. at throttle tip in that squirt of gas to get the thing moving is all going to be taken up by the by the battery. But it's not it's not a full blown. It's a forty eight volt system. 
But how long is it going to last? Is it going well, to get me from Dallas? No, oh, nobody <laughs> cares about that. But some bitch won't get me past Austin from Dallas. <laughs> well, right there, so it's a gas engine. At that point, once you're moving, the gas engine takes over. So it's a hybrid, just, not all EV. Yeah, yeah, and that's what okay. he's saying. Is right. like hybrid is going to be the way to go. A hybrid's got to be the way to go. Got to be a standpoint. Yeah. Like yeah. A hybrid is not not all EV. The fact that Ford is putting all of their eggs in that stupid Lightning and. They're having so many problems with them. Is, is it such a, a junk? At the end of the day, is it an excuse for them to say, "Hey, this doesn't apply to our dealer network if we go all EV, and we don't have the same contracts with EV as we did with with uh, emissions based vehicles, and so that dealer agreement is null and void, and we're gonna we're just gonna go ahead and set ourselves up, and we're gonna sell online and have subscription vehicles and." We yeah. don't have to. We don't have I to. I think everybody's they're they're seeing what Tesla's doing, and they're like, we don't need dealers anymore. Right. That needs to go away. Well, of course, I I I know that there are emissions rules and laws in place that say with a ICE vehicle they can't just go away. Right. The dealership. Right. Yeah. But when you go to an EV. They can just go away. You just order saw a line, and we'll send the car right to your front door. Right. I think there's a company called Carvana that does that. Yeah. Carvana has a vending machine. Carvana yeah. has yet to make any money. Yeah. You don't need to make money. That was the CEO's paid. I don't think it matters. Right. What saved Carvana, what saved Carvana uh-huh. from going under was, was the pandemic. Had the pandemic not hit, they would have went away. They would have. They would have been long gone. Oh yeah. But the fact that and nobody could could walk into a dealership and buy a car normally, they were scrambling to shift to a, to a selling model that looked just like Carvana. Order the car online, show up, but the giant coin. Carvana the thing, was already they, filling that spot. They were already there doing it. Yes. And so everybody, all of a sudden, and then the price of of used vehicles just went bananas. But they. They were trying to make money because they don't make any money on the sale of the car. They don't make a dime on the sale of the car. They were trying to make the money on the financing on the back end. That's where they make it at. That's where they were trying to. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that they they weren't making enough, fast enough, to overcome their expenses in having all those stupid machines. And also, purchasing vehicles became mm-hmm. extremely difficult. Yeah, I'd be surprised if Carvana is still around in two or three years. Who knows? I guess we'll have to watch and see. We gotta we gotta make a part two of this. This has been a lot of fun. It has been a lot of fun. I want to go over your certification of technicians. Okay. I really want to touch that with you. If you want to do a round two, I think I'd like to run that with the topic. Okay. Because I want to certification of technicians. What do you mean? Well, you know, I was one of the leaders when we wanted to do shop licensing in the state of Texas years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I looked at the way Florida set theirs up. Okay, we're the industry governed itself, okay? We used the government to help us enforce the rules, but the industry governed itself, right. okay? And I liked what Florida did at the time, and I tried to bring that to Texas. And then we wrote the law down. We got it all written down. We had to present it to the lawmakers, and they liked it. And then they presented it to the people that actually physically write the laws. And they added a bunch of stuff to the back side of it to push through. Really? We had to shoot our own program down 
because of what they put on the back side of it. What 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 did they put on the back side? What were they? Benefits for car manufacturers, car dealers, not manufacturers, car dealers in the state of Texas, you know. And they, no, it's not about the car dealership. So right now, if you're a car dealership in the state of Texas, on your franchise tax, you pay a half a percent because you're a car dealer and you're an automotive repair guy. You only get to pay a half a percent. But if you're an independent guy like me, I pay a complete one percent. Oh, that's sleazy. You know, so it, it's really, really sleazy what they do with the franchise tax in the state of Texas, okay? And that's one of those deals. We're not making new taxes. How, how do they is, – is that from it's the, way, the national level? Or is yeah, that – it came from the insurance companies, the way they put you in the code, okay, as your mm-hmm. industry, your business, okay? So you were, you were trying to pass this – Yes, shop licensing law. And it had to do a lot with the technicians being certified on the type of thing that they wanted to work on. And in one of the podcasts we had, I heard something about the type of vehicles. Well, I think our manufacturers of automobiles are wanting us to be in that area to where if you're going to work on Ford's, you need to have some kind of training with Ford vehicles, some kind of training with General Motors vehicles. With the security protocol and everything that we've got at us right now, we've got to protect our clients. We've got to protect their information in their automobiles, okay? So we got to advocate for a higher class of technician. To get that, we're going to have to up some pay money, okay? We're going to have to up some pay money. We're going to have to up some prices that we charge. We're going to have to make more money so we can pay more money, okay? So I think certification for our technicians is a good thing, you know? I really do. And I'd like to investigate more how we can get there. And I think that would be a better way that we could increase the pay for our technicians. I think we, I think we do a part two and we, we get you on and we get somebody else. Can we beat up on ASC? Oh yeah. That'd be awesome. Oh yeah. Who can we beat up on? That would be. You think about it. Find somebody to beat up on. I, I, you know who I think would be good to who, have? Who would be on and then <laughs> willingly take it? Well, what I was going to say is is I think we should have Jeff on because Jeff is. I don't know who Jeff is. Who's Jeff? Am I supposed to know? He looks, he's looking at me like I know who Jeff is. Well, the one thing I was thinking about is NASTF mm-hmm. and the certification they're going through and doing right now. Yep. Who can we get to control that type of certification? Well, the person that's already involved with that type of certification. The, the problem is not the certification. It's the consumer not knowing what certification means. Or seeing the, right, seeing the value in the certification. No, I mean, if you tell them I'm certified, that's all they need to know. Right. That's all they care to know. That's all they care. Consumer they don't give a crap about what we're doing. Yeah. They assume, oh, my technician's certified. Certified in what? I don't know. Yeah. What kind of certification? Who they get certified through? I don't know. It's like, okay. Are they certified? Uh, well, they have plaques on the wall. It's like, okay. Are they expired? I've got plaques on the wall. Yeah. I, are they expired? Are they in steering and suspension? And you're expecting that guy to diagnose that car? Like, what is it that you're... And they have no idea. No. Well, whose fault is that? The certification company's fault. So if NASTF doesn't do anything about informing the consumer that if this shop doesn't have this VSP, then they shouldn't be handling your data 
in the vehicle. Right. They shouldn't be flashing your car. They shouldn't be working at all in any kind of diagnostic capacity Correct. on that vehicle because they don't have this VSB. Unless they inform the consumer of that, the consumer's not going to know any different. But, I mean, if you take it out of their hands and it's no longer even an option, they do that. Right? In other words, you can't access that data unless. <sighs> yeah. I, mean, I guess you could do that. It's a super, like, that's heavy-handed. I don't know. I understand. <laughs> I, 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 but it I, keeps the government out of it, doesn't it? Oh, you got to. You can't let the government get into no, our game. No, boys, they, they, will, no. they will make a mess of it quick. They have no clue of our industry. Oh, you're an automotive no industry? Uh, what's industry, that? Dear. Right? Yeah, exactly. They know how to make money on taxes and only taxes. If you want to know what's screwed up, ask the electricians or the plumbers. Yeah. Or the air conditioner guys. All of them guys, the government, right up there... Hey, well, nice. you know, we, we've talked about that. <laughs> we've talked about that with, with the shop, right? Like, so um, uh, here just a few weeks ago, inspector comes in and, and says, hey, uh, you're going to need this, 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 and this. And one of the things that he said was, is you need three 200-amp disconnects for each of the sub-panels in the new shop. And they all need to be within a certain distance of each other. They all need to be this height. They all need this, 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 and this. Well, so we go to the electrician. The electrician says, hey, you don't need that because each one of the panels has a disconnect in the top of the box. And that's we could understand where he's coming from, but code doesn't say you have to have three disconnects in the same spot. It just means you have to disconnect everything. Right. You have to be able to turn everything off. We've got a single disconnect. He can't make you do three individual disconnects for each individual subpanel. What would be the point anyway? Yeah. If you're going to turn it off, just turn the damn thing off. Correct. Right? You turn the whole show off. Yeah. Right. And so um, turns around and comes back and, and says, nope, this is what we want. Cool. So we go and we spend $7,000 making this change. And, and the shop's done, right? So now, as opposed to having one nice, neat-looking panel box on the back of my shop, I've got this, like, conglomerated mess of bullshit. Looks like shit. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, I mean, nobody's going to see it. doesn't matter. But whatever. Yeah. And so the, the inspector, we call him over and over and over again. Hey, come look at this. Come look at this. Come keep, tell us, is this what you keep want? Give my green tag. I right. want to go to work. Here, here's your pictures. Let, you know, is, is this what you were talking about? Wouldn't answer. And, dude, we go through this for like three weeks. Oh, we crap. call up there and leave a message. And they're like, hey, he's not in. You have to call him back or leave a message. Well, then finally, one morning I wake up and I send him another email and it bounces back. It says, this address is unavailable. And I call up there and they're like, yeah, he was uh, terminated two weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, $7,000 your expense, probably. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, and, and then the new inspector comes in and says, why in the hell did he make you do that? I don't think that'll pass code. Right? And so one person <laughs> holds your, hold your money, and, and you say, well, what, what can I do about this? You guys told me. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I'm what, sorry. What do you want That's us your to government say? for you. Right. What do you want us to say? Our bad. Mm -hmm. My bad, fam. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and so... Same thing. Now undo that seven thousand dollars screw up and put it like it's supposed to be. Right, and so the, that that was their point is that that when you have a single point, you have one person, and there's no because no go to nobody say, hey, this guy's wrong. Somebody listen to me. Right. Well, and so I, I was talking to David about. It. He's like, he's over here searching to see, like, oh, is there some way to like legally go after? Him? You don't legally go after them. You legally go after them. They will absolutely ruin your life all the way. And because they got so more departments wrong. than we do, you yeah. can sue the inspector, but only if the inspector passes it, somebody gets hurt. You're liable. You can then go after the inspector and well, say, but not, but not, not for this. For, not for this. Not for him making you waste seven thousand dollars. Right. And well, and just like the just like the septic system, right? 
They, they, they literally, the dude that did the safety system is mouthy. And so he mouthed off to them. And boys, they drug it out. And something that should have taken two to three weeks took six months. Wow. And then at the end of the six months, like it, well, we're, we're four weeks behind. We'll get to you when we can get to you. Sorry. Right. And, and so they, the boys, they play God like nobody's business. They and do. we don't want somebody like that in our industry. We don't want somebody like that holding that over our heads. You know, luckily we, we've got license and theft that handles the inspections in the state of North Carolina. And he walks in and says, yep, good. Mm-hmm. My, you're right. He doesn't care. But man, if you could imagine somebody like that on a power trip, having that much authority to come and in happens every and destroy day. your life just like that, man, yeah. I could not imagine letting somebody like that. So I, I think it is of utmost importance that we begin to regulate ourselves in one way or another. We the people. Mm-hmm. Yes, we the people with decentralized control. Yeah. So it can't just be Nastif. There has to be three or four competitors to Nastif. All of them recognized providing security, something or Max like certification. Mac. Max. Oh. Mobile air conditioning. You know, mm-hmm. in other words, it, the, it's, the 609 thing's kind of turned into a joke too. Like, hey, really pass is. this like super easy test. And then we'll send you a little card that says you can buy this refrigerant. It's not a hard thing to figure out, but it's, they made it easy enough that everybody could pass it. Listen, I agree. If you, can't, if you can't pass that, you probably shouldn't well, that's be working on it. That's, 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 that's what, what I'm, I'm thinking, like, you know. The dumb didn't. ones are getting out of here. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, it needs to be difficult enough yeah, to do what, it, but it just it can't be one centralized company. Well, and I mean, but here, here's the other thing. We talk about money in our industry. If, if boys, I'm going to get an email about this. I have a feeling. If you're ASE and you just sell out to Monarchy or you sell out to, to whoever because all of a sudden we need a way for our guys to be certified, could you create a GS certification so we can certify some people and call them ASE certified? We don't really want them to know what they're doing or anything. We just need a way to make sure that that bottom guy can get certified. Get some kind of certificate patch on his arm. Right. And now we've got an ASE certified shop. Now, uh, and and I don't think certification as a whole is a way to judge intelligence or ability. Right. But if you're willing to change the entire model of what we do as ASE certified technicians based on the influence of somebody from a big corporation that says, we'll give you money. Right. And so we'll help support your organization. We'll help these things happen. And for that, we would like for you to create a program that's just for us so we can also be part of the game. Boys, that's... I'm just so glad they haven't sold out yet. (laughs) (laughs) They've been right on the up and up so far. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we got to do part two on this. Thank you for being here, sir. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.